Hi, New City. I'm Kendall, and I'll be reading the scripture today. At that time, the Roman Emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This is the word of God to you. You may be seated. Well, good evening. I almost said good morning. <laughs> My name's Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here. What a delight to be together uh, to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, the place where you come screaming into the world matters, I think. I was thinking this week about uh, the week that my one and only daughter, now 17, Madeline, whose name means friend of Jesus, I love that, came screaming into the world. We were living in uh, the Anderson, South Carolina area. And I'll never forget the, the morning that Janet woke me up and we had our bag packed and we loaded in the Mitsubishi Gallant and uh, we, we came screaming into the hospital and then uh, a mere 23 hours later, Madeline was born. But if I think about Madeline's story, you know, part of her story could be understood by the place that she was born. You see, we were finishing our, our time in the army and we were kind of in between the army and ministry. It was the last thing that the federal government paid for for us was Madeline's birth at the Anderson Women and Children's Hospital. And, um, you know, where we lived at that season of our life um, began to shape her life because it had shaped our life and in the same way, the place that Jesus came screaming into the world matters when it comes to understanding who he is and what his story is all about. Just as Kendall read for us this evening, Jesus was born in a little town that we sing about called Bethlehem. But I wonder 
if you know much about that little town of Bethlehem, because there's some things to know in order to understand the impact and the import of the birth of Jesus. First of all, Bethlehem was and still is a small place. It's a a little village just outside of Jerusalem. At the time of Jesus' birth, it was a small village. Maybe only a couple of hundred people lived there. What does this teach us and tell us about Jesus? First of all, we learn from this that God chose obscurity. He chose an out-of-the-way small place to come screaming into the world. You see, we learn from Bethlehem that Jesus understands marginalized, out-of-the-way places and people. And I don't know what brings you here tonight, what brings you into this Christmas season, but perhaps maybe some of you are feeling as if you are out of the way and on the margins of life as well. And if that's you, you should know that God's story is for you. Secondly, we know that uh, Bethlehem was uh, roughly 70 miles from Nazareth, which was uh, the place where Mary and Joseph were from. And the question is, why did Mary and Joseph travel so far? I mean, Mary was nine months pregnant. There was no Uber at the time, no Greyhound bus line, no cheap airfares. There was a donkey and walking on dusty, dirty roads. And we know that it took them the better part of a week to walk from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. And the short answer is, is that the most powerful man in the world, the Emperor Augustus, said, you have to go back to your ancestral homeland. Why? So that you could be counted. Why do you need to be counted? So that we can tax you and so that we can conscript you for military service, so that we can use our power to oppress you. And so what do we learn about Jesus and his story from the town of Bethlehem, we learn that God didn't choose the easy way. He chose the hard way. You see, God chose hardship because Jesus understands the pain and the inconveniences of life. And maybe some of you tonight come into this Christmas season feeling desperately some of the inconveniences of life. Maybe you feel the pain and suffering of life. And if that's you, you should know that Jesus began his story in a way that's relevant for you. You see, in Philippians, we learn, this is a beautiful ancient hymn talking about Jesus and his birth, says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being in this out-of-the-way place, into this difficult place. Thirdly, We know that Bethlehem, as was all of Israel at that time of Jesus' birth, was under Roman occupation. And if you can just in your mind's eye imagine what that would be like, that when they would walk the streets, there would have been Roman soldiers everywhere, that they were living as a powerless, weak, and poor people. And so Jesus came screaming into the world in a desperately oppressed situation, in a place where people were desperate for hope of some kind. And so maybe that's you tonight as you enter into this Christmas season that maybe you too are looking desperately somewhere in the world for hope. And if that's you, you should know that Jesus came screaming into the world in a way that can meet you too. But you know, the most significant thing that I want you to hear tonight about this little town of Bethlehem is the name of Bethlehem itself. And you see, the name of Bethlehem is actually two words that combine together. The first word bet means house and lahem 
means bread. And so literally, Bethlehem means the house of bread. You see, Jesus came screaming into the world into a bakery, if you can imagine that. What does it mean that Jesus was born into a house of bread? There's a lot of meaning in there. But to understand a bit of it and a bit more of his story, I want us to fast forward 30 years where that little baby, he grew up and he became a man and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and he began to teach and to lead people. And we're told in John chapter 6 that there was thousands of people following him as he taught and that one day he found himself on a hillside with thousands of followers and he taught all day. And at night uh, they had nowhere to go and they were hungry. And he looked at Philip, one of his disciples, and he said, Philip, where could we buy bread for all of these people to have dinner tonight? And it was a ridiculous question. And Philip looked at him and said, Lord, that's impossible. Even if we saved up all our money for an entire year, it wouldn't be enough to buy bread for all these people. It's impossible with the resources that we have. And, and more than that, there wasn't a Walmart or a your mom's donuts or something like that down the street. Anyway, if they had the money, there was nowhere to get that amount of food. But you know, Jesus knew what he was about to do because he knew the meaning of the place that he came screaming into the world. And so Jesus on that hillside, his disciples having no answer, the masses hunger, hungering for food, takes two loaves of bread from a poor boy who happened to be there. And I love this image. It's one of my favorite images in all the scriptures is that Jesus takes the bread and then he blesses it and he asks God to bless it and to do something to provide. And then he breaks the bread and then he gives it to the first person and he gives it, and he gives it, and he gives it, and he keeps giving this bread, just these two loaves, until all the people are fed. And we know that there was somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people who were fed in that way. And this is the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospel accounts. And in fact, there was not only enough bread for everyone there, but there was bread left over too. You see, Jesus came screaming into the world, into a bakery, because he is the bread of life. And so the next day, uh, the people, the same people who had fed, came looking for him again. And you know what they wanted? Another free meal. These were hungry people. These were oppressed people. These were weak and poor people who didn't know where their next meal was coming from. And here was a man who provided bread for thousands of people. And so the next day they found him and they said to him, sir, give us that bread every day. You see, they didn't get it. They wanted the bread that Jesus gave, but they didn't understand the person that they were talking to. You see, they only realized their surface need for hunger, for real bread to eat. But Jesus uncovers their real need and, and the real need was a, a need to be rescued from darkness, to have belonging and identity and truth and purpose as beloved sons and daughters of God. You see, he knew that their real need underneath the surface of their need of hunger wasn't something that a material thing could provide for. You see, no success or wealth or relationship or power or position could meet that deep hunger in their heart. Only Jesus, only God could meet that need. And so Jesus replied at the end of the story, I am 
the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I love the words of Isaiah, who was prophesying about Jesus coming screaming into the world. He said this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And you see in that moment, Jesus saw the needs of the people and because he was the bread of life, he gave not just food to eat, but he gave himself. You see, Jesus saw their real need and then he met it in a beautiful way. Well, I want us to fast forward 2,000 years and here we sit tonight in Matthews, North Carolina and, and the reality is that we relate to the people on that hillside, don't we? Because all of us have needs in our life tonight. And I don't know what your need is in your life tonight, but there's something that keeps you up. There's something that produces anxiety. There's something that feels like a heavy burden upon your shoulders. And many of us at this time of the year, we feel those things more acutely. We feel the brokenness in our own lives and in our families and the things that we're longing for that are unmet. We feel those things at this time of year oftentimes. But you see, underneath every one of those needs that go unspoken in this room right now, but that are known to God himself, you see, is the deep need. And God knows your deep needs. He knows that you have a need to be right with him, to be seen and understood and forgiven and accepted and adopted, that we long for the same things those people long for, to belong to know we count, to have our identity secure, to know the truth, and to have purpose in the world. And so we long, too, for this bread of life that we would also never hunger or thirst again. In 1865, there was a man named Philip Brooks, and he was on his way uh, on a pilgrimage from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And as he journeyed, he thought about Bethlehem and what happened that Christmas night so many years ago. And he wrote the beloved Christmas hymn that we're familiar with. And I just want to read one, a few of the lines there. And then what we're going to do as we close this part of our service tonight is, is the band's going to come back up and they're going to play O Little Town of Bethlehem. But I want you to remain seated. And I just want you to make this a time of receiving from God what he might have to say to you tonight, that you would receive from him what he wants to speak to you about your need tonight. I would like for you to hold that thing in your mind that's weighing heavily on you, the burden that you're carrying. And as you listen to this song about this little village of Bethlehem, this out-of-the-way place, remember what it's saying about the king of kings, that he was the bread of life who came from the house of bread. And it begins this way, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, Bethlehem is crying out to you and telling you the Christmas story that God loves you and he came for you. 
Let's sit and continue to worship tonight.